Hi, everyone, and welcome to AmeriCrown Dreams, a podcast about the British royal family. I'm Caitlin. I'm Jenna. I don't believe we've ever fully explained the meaning behind our podcast name, AmeriCrown Dreams. Essentially, despite our Yankee roots, Jenna and I are not only fascinated by royalty, uh, but we'd love to be royalty and partake in the princess fantasy of princes, puppies, and tiaras. With this in mind, the tale of the handsome prince who falls in love with an American actress is more encouraging to our dreams. If you think we are referencing Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, congrats, you're, you're half right. Uh, but before Harry and Meghan, there was Prince Rainier III of Monaco and Grace Kelly, the American actress who went from Hollywood royalty to Prince's Concert of Monaco after a chance meeting. Today on our show, we'll be looking at how Grace met Rainier, their courtship, and engagement. We'll cover other aspects of Princess Grace's life in future episodes, but as of the recording, Harry and Meghan have not, to our knowledge, reached the engagement stage, and so we want to save other chapters of their fairy tale for another day. Well, hello, Caitlin. Hi. What's up? Oh, um, I'm just going to put it out there. Since we already talked about it, uh, today's a uh, day of voting. Yes, it is election day. Not, yeah, it is election day and I didn't vote. So I felt really guilty. So I felt like I should confess now. You publicly confessed. <laughs> I absolve you. I think that, <laughs> you know, that's a that's a thing about voting. It's hard. I, I demand American Idol voting, you know, like where you just can call a number from yeah. the comfort of your own home. Though I will say the, re- the you know, in theory, I support that. But so back <laughs> when I was in college, I would watch um, Dancing with the Stars and because my mom loved that show and we would talk about it. Like I'd call her and then we'd talk about who we liked. And I, God, who was on it? But there was somebody on the show who I was obs- who I was like, yeah, I want that person to win. And so I did something I never do, which is call and vote. And this is also when um, Florence Henderson, who's uh, Mrs. Brady, she was on the show and she was paired with a professional dancer whose first name was Corky. And I (laughs) I dialed the wrong number. And then this British guy came on and was like, thank you for voting for Florence and Corky. And I was like, what the hell? I didn't mean to do that. And then my roommate was sitting on the couch and she was like, what is happening here? And um and I like we then laughed because it's like, well, I guess, you know, if I'm going to accidentally vote for somebody, I'm OK voting for Mrs. Brady. But I guess that's the one thing that like sticks in my mind when I think about the future of technology and voting is like, what if you accidentally vote for Florence and Corky? Right. You know, and I like don't want lazy people voting like I don't want I shouldn't be voting because I was not you know, proactive enough to get to the polls. And and I'm able, an able-bodied person. That's true. So, well, so like, at least that's like. But honestly, like, yeah. I like in my political science classes, that's what like was always my argument because we always, yeah we talked about like how technology well should make it easier to get our voter turnout higher. But then it's like, do we want people really voting with such ease? So I don't know. But anyways, I had to confess. I know we talked early that we weren't going to have really an open conversation. opener conversation and now I'm like oh I just have to say it (laughs) well I voted so I I'm a good citizen yeah I believe you have good judgment so well and I will say I mean for the most part so in Minneapolis here there were four races um two of them were kind of important um 
like one is our mayoral race, but there are 15 candidates and we have ranked choice voting. So a lot of it was like, it's not like you can just pick the person who you really, you know, most closely align with. You actually have to know enough about three people to like want to rank them, which is a lot. Um, but I did say, um, <laughs> my husband told me his, somebody said, what's your wild prediction for that? And he said, I think Captain Jack Sparrow is going to win because there's a candidate <laughs> on the Minneapolis ballot called Captain Jack Sparrow. And I think a lot of people go in like knowing who their first choice is, but they don't, um, they don't always have their second or third figured out. And since it's a, it's kind of a close race between a lot of different candidates, it's a possibility that a lot of the rank choice voting really comes into play this year. So right. <laughs> I'll laugh. If we are ruled by Captain Jack Sparrow, that'll be interesting, to say the it least. It sure will. Um, yeah, but other than that, it wasn't, again, it was like, then it was my city council seat and like the park board. And there was no one named there. There was no one named Leslie Nope on the ballot. So, and I did not write her in. I also did not write your dad in, um, <laughs> because he's my usual go-to write-in because of the joke that you said you want your dad to be sheriff so you could be the protagonist from a cheesy teen movie. Yes. Who could be like, Dad? Why? That. Why won't you let me grow up? I'm not a. I'm not a little girl anymore. But right, um, like. My father's never going to be, you know, a pastor of a church, so no. I can't be the pastor's daughter, but I could be the sheriff's daughter. So That's, I yes. I wrote him in one year when I, I think when I was 16 and then any time I've been like I don't really know who these people are, these judges or anything, so I'm just going to write him in or for like public works. Exactly. He would do a great <laughs> job with public works. Yeah. But, you know, I I did pick the real candidates this time. That's Sorry, good. Kate's dad, but That's okay. He probably shouldn't represent Minneapolis since he doesn't. Since he doesn't live here, he's out in the burbs. I mean, we'll see what what happens this election day. Yeah, um, and we'll move over now to something completely different and the unelected people. Yes, non democracy. <laughs> Woo! And so we're going to be talking in more depth about Grace Kelly and Prince Rainier and the parallels between the relationship of those two people and that of Harry and Meghan. But first, we're going to start with. The week, the last week's news, as usual. Woohoo! Starting with Queen Elizabeth, um, and she did a fun event today, and it's one of the events I think must be most fun as a member of the royal family. It's because uh, because you get to hit people with swords and uh, knight them, so it's investiture. So it's inducting people into like the order of the British Empire. So when they become a uh, a knight or a dame. And today there were, I've taken notes about three people. Uh, two of them are actresses, British actresses, and I call them Molly and Narcissa. And no, a duel did not break out. It was <laughs> Julie Walters, who uh, I know most as playing Molly Weasley in all of the Harry Potter movies. And then Helen McCrory, who Again, I recognized as being Narcissa Malfoy, even though she is famous for other things. And obviously, so is Julie Walters. Um, but the queen made them both dames today. And another thing she did was she made a knight of a man named Johnny Johnson. He's a 95-year-old World War II veteran. He was in the RAF, and he uh, was part of the campaign, the Dambuster campaign, which... 
is like pretty much like, let's go break a dam in Germany and it'll flood all of their factories. And they succeeded. And so he's, I think, this the oldest living uh, veteran who's still alive from his military unit. Again, just a fun event for everyone. I wonder, has this been like made into a movie? Because this seems like... The like Dam Buster the Dam Buster, yeah. I don't know. I feel like it... It's at least a History Channel documentary. It's at least a 10-hour History Channel documentary. (laughs) Um, There was one, like, PBS documentary I watched once, which was about this crazy scheme people... I don't know if they actually did this, but there was a plan... Again, because breaking dams was, you know, a big deal. You could could do a lot because one thing dams provided was electricity, um, but then also... You know, you could flood a lot of stuff and destroy and like really set back German like gun factories or whatever. And Mm -hmm. so there was an idea to like do one of these dam breaking campaigns and they were going to pretty much, you know how you can throw a rock on a pond and it'll skip. Mm -hmm. They were going to do that with a bomb from a plane. And so they planned it. I don't think they ever did it. But then some nerds were like, let's try to do it. And they went up to like middle of nowhere, Canada, and they successfully proved that you could skip a bomb across a lake and hit a target. It was cool. Despite the destruction and possible loss of human life, that's really cool. Yeah. And it again, it was just really, it's an interesting, doc- I can't remember what show that was on. I think it was Nova or something, but... It's fun because, again, it's just people who are like, let's blow things up. And again, it's more fun when you're up in the middle of nowhere in Canada and there's not really and you're in a man-made lake. So you're not really destroying anything. Okay, that's cool. I'm making a note to watch. To watch that. (laughs) But yeah, again, I don't know if there's a real like actual movie about it, but I mean, I'm all for it. Any kind of like movie that could star hot British guys dressed in like military gear being heroes but then see i don't want to see it because i'm i'd cry because i know like one of the hot guys is not going to make it home and i can't do that like i didn't see dunkirk even though again so many hot british guys yeah i yeah i wouldn't want no i feel the same way it's just like you're all attractive this is sad it's too real to me because it's like this was actually a thing yeah a thing (sighs) oh i was kind of an unrelated (laughs) note i was telling um somebody about my policy, which is when I'm going to a movie, I usually know the entire plot of a movie before I go because I don't like surprises and I don't want to be surprised by like ex- like random gory scene or anything like that. And um, and so then I was talking about there. if you don't want to be like me. Also, I again, I don't want to be surprised when somebody dies and I get too sad. So there's a website um, called doesthedogdie.com. <laughs> and it tells you in every movie, you know, like, is does the dog or other animal die in this movie? Or can I safely watch this without breaking down into an existential crisis? Highly recommend it if you're wanting to make sure you're not going to start sobbing in public. That is important. Yeah. Because I don't know what it is, but I God, I've seen. I remember somebody made me go see that movie, like My Dog Skip, starring your BF, <gasps> your BF um, Frankie Muniz. Ugh. Frankie. Uh, and I, again, it's about a guy, a kid and his dog. And of course, spoiler alert, the dog dies at the end. And I'm like a child. And I'm like, why are you doing this to me? Ugh. Yeah. 
dog movies with dogs never go well. They don't. It's but that's why I like that um that mount uh movie The Mountain Between Us with Kate Winslet and Idris Elba. Their whole marketing was spoiler alert: the dog lives because mm-hmm. it's a disaster. Like it's a plane crash movie, and there's a yellow lab in it, and you see the dog, and you're like, oh no, it's gonna something bad's gonna happen to it. Like a bear, it's gonna die defending its people from a bear or something. Yeah, but so that's really smart for them to say spoiler alert: the dog lives. Because even if one of the, you know, it's like, who cares if one of the main characters bites it, right? As long as the puppy survives. Bye, Kate Winslet. What? Bye, Kate Winslet. Yeah, it's your turn to die (laughs) in a disaster movie. I don't want your just elbow dying. He's too beautiful. No. No. Mm Mm-mm. All right. (laughs) Sorry. No, I think you shared some important, relevant information about movie watching that people need to know. Yeah. Well, you tell us about Prince Philip now. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, one thing I had been wondering for the last couple, I guess even last month or so, is since uh, Prince Philip had kind of officially retired from, uh, you know, public duty and service, uh, is where did he go? You know, he had been out with the Queen once or twice for a couple, you know, events uh, just to kind of be there in the background to support her. But otherwise, we hadn't really seen him. And uh this weekend, the Daily Mail published an article about Prince Philip and where he's been, which is he's been living at his, what I like to call his retirement community, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually Wood Cottage. Uh, it's uh, a, a house on the uh, Sandrium Ham uh, estate, and uh, it's been a place that Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth have gone to. It's kind of another one of those more secluded loca- uh, locales or homes that they have uh, that they can escape to on the weekend and whatnot. And he's been spending a lot of time there. And the reason why the Daily Mail ended up publishing this weekend is because the Queen had been um, up there with him and for the week. And then when she had to go and obviously, you know, be the Queen, left. And so they kind of just did some reporting about like, what has he been up to? What is he doing? And apparently he's been reading, he's been painting watercolors, writing letters, and having friends to stay. So that seems pretty great. Um, And yeah, and since it is one of more of their private locations where it's not like you see them coming and going all the time. Yeah, he's still like 96 years old and he was out just the other day driving a carriage and like he was followed by the media. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's... I think it's if I saw a 96 year old guy driving a carriage, I don't care if he's Prince Philip or not. That's I'm going to report on it. That's crazy. Yeah. And then the article also mentioned that he's like an Olympic carriage driver. Yeah, he is. I did know that. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, I never knew that. So that's Anne is as well. And uh, they bonded over that a lot. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if it was like a horsey thing or it was like part of like the equestrian events at the Olympics or if it's something they still do. But yeah, he looked like he was owning it and he was really, he looked really in charge. So yeah, the Daily Mail published uh, both of those articles. But the the one thing that um, the Daily Mail article, it made me kind of sad because I was like, they're like spending a lot of time apart. But I think that's just kind of the way it has to be because otherwise I think he's not really like, what is he supposed to do? Stay at Buckingham Palace and be in this large place that doesn't really have any of the things that he likes to do, the outdoors and um, the privacy that he wants. And then obviously the queen can still go see him. Yeah. To an extent. So I think it's definitely, it's kind of sad, but I think it's also kind of, yeah, he's, he's in his own little retirement community. Enjoying himself pottering around in his shed. 
Right, exactly. So I, I hope that it has been a relaxing time for them. I bet it has. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he'd be happy at Buckingham Palace. I just imagine him like pressing his face up against the glass, being like, go away to the media and stuff. Right. And if it's really like he really didn't like it as much as like they even show in The Crown, yeah, I would be like, for sure. GTFO. We can move on then to the next we item, which, so as we mentioned last week, Charles and Camilla are on their autumn tour right now. They arrived in Singapore uh, last week and they've been there and Malaysia and Brunei and India. And there's way too much to discuss. We're not going to devote a whole episode to it like we would do with the Cambridges or Harry's world tours. But I wanted to just cover a couple of highlights. First, Charles seems to be enjoying himself because he's walking around in a forest a lot. (laughs) There's just lots of pictures of him and sometimes him and Camilla enjoying the beautiful forest sites, including orangutans, which that's fun. There's an Instagram video of him giving a very tiny banana to an orangutan who's like, give me that. And Prince Charles is like, "Okay, yep, this is yours. Uh, Don't bite my hand off, please. Thank you. The other thing I was going to say is I saw this um, right like right after we recorded last week. And I, I was like, what the hell? So one thing that happened on their tour, which is kind of a rare thing, is that uh, Charles and Camilla uh, kissed in public. Apparently, this is the third time they've ever been spotted kissing in public, which to me is crazy. They've been married for over 10 years. And I get it. You know, you're you're a royal. Most of the time when you're out of doors, with, especially with your spouse, you're, at, you're kind of acting in your royal capacity. But, I mean, yeah, I'm not, not also... Necking not necking out. Yeah, but I'm not saying you should be, like, necking, as yeah. my grandmother would put it. <laughs> but, yeah, this uh, was only the third time that they had ever uh, kissed, the, again, that people saw. And I think it's also interesting because... You know, obviously, though they were, they've only been married for a little over 10 years, they've been together a whole lot longer. So I'm trying to find this. Yeah, they were previously pictured sharing a smooch at a Somerset House reception in 2001 before their marriage and at a polo match in 2005. Okay. So it's been literally more than a decade since people have seen the two of them kissing, which is weird. Yeah, I wonder if... Yeah, I always kind of have to wonder what that stuff, because, like, obviously they, you know, they're not doing it all the time, but, like, how much of it is, like, do you think any of it's staged? Like, I don't know, like, for example, like, when Will and Kate hold hands when they're going to church on, like, Christmas morning, like, that's very, like, I don't know, I just, I don't think it's staged, but I definitely feel like it's a, like, okay, we're going to show everyone that we're, you know, like, we're a normal couple who's in love, and. I think what it was probably is it came from the first time they did it and i think kate was probably nervous and william was like let's we'll i'll hold your hand where it's gonna be fine like we'll do it we'll get through it together and then they kind of saw like the immensely positive reaction to it but i do think that like both caitlin er, caitlin <laughs> kate may <laughs> you you and william both have this attitude towards pda well i think they both really they don't they do probably like keeping their displays of affection more you know wrapped up and so i think they kind of say like well this is a fun tradition to kind of like give Mm -hmm. a nod because people love seeing it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense 
in a lot of their other public appearances. For them, they're not just walking next to each other a lot. If they're walking anywhere, they're going like indoors. And I mean, the only the like other public displays of affection we get are like, you know, sports gazing, as the fun girls have coined it, you know, where they're jumping up and down cheering for various sporting events. And so I think that they kind of I think it was natural the first time. And then now they just kind of do it because they know people like us freak out and right. love it. <laughs> But yeah, for like uh, Charles and Camilla, I definitely feel that they still do get, you know, some backlash for, you know, just the nature of their relationship and the history. And so I feel like these are good reminders that they they are committed to each other. And I think especially as the queen gets older and Charles may soon, you know, could be ascending the throne just to kind of get people used to like, I don't know. If you believe the book Game of Crowns. Because he's preparing yeah. <laughs> the public to make her queen of right. England and yeah, so I certainly don't doubt it. Like that, it's like you know fake or anything. But I definitely do wonder about like the the strategy and that kind of stuff. Since I know it's important to obviously the queen and to for the queen the queen that the monarchy continues to be uh, strong and you know doesn't completely collapse um, when she when she dies, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the rest of more details on their, their tour, which again, there, I mean, again, it's really pretty photos, go to the Instagram or, um, their follow the hashtag is Royal visit SG and you can see what they're up to. Lots of fun stuff. Yeah. They are busy. Yeah. So moving on to William, William has had kind of two events uh, since we we last spoke. Uh, The first thing is that he went to the Tusk Trust uh, Gala. And um, this has been an event that he is he is the royal patron of the Tusk Trust, um, which is about uh, obviously conservation of wildlife, wildlife in Africa. And uh, this is an event that he yeah, he goes to every year and Kate has joined him a few times, but she was not with him on this particular uh, evening, uh, but he spoke at the event about obviously the continued need to protect wildlife in Africa from poaching and illegal wildlife trade, um, which includes animals, including rhinos, lions. Um, I actually don't even know what this is. A uh, pangolin? A pangolin. I'm going to Google it. Yeah. Because I heard of and, it and I can't picture what it is. Yeah. And so just like uh, William, William is obviously very um, passionate about uh, conservation and so is Charles and Harry. Pangolins so. are like those weird armadillo things that look like oh. they could be a Pokemon. Like they look like an armadillo and they've got like instead of having everything oh. connected, yeah, they're really crazy looking. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, oh that's cute. Aww. It's apparently nature's most hunted animal. Yeah, it looks like a sand shrew. Pokemon. Yes, it does look like a sand shrew. That's what I was thinking. I was like, it's a Pokemon. <laughs> I can't think of the name. Thanks, husband, for being a Pokemon nerd and why I know these things. Yeah, so I'm glad that they're being protected. Yeah, oh, that's so cute. Anyways, um, Google that. <laughs> Maybe we'll use that as one also, of our Instagram uh, Oh, that's a good slides. idea. And then I people like who putting... don't listen will be like, what? Yeah. What are they doing? <laughs> I always like putting in random photos. Like I remember for their tour of Germany and um, 
or in Poland, I like put in like pictures of like German, like what was it? It was like pretzels and foods, um, the foods food, and drinks. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, you know what? Whatever. I'm just throwing these in here. So we will we will honor the Tusk Trust with a, a picture of a pangolin. Uh, but yeah, so once again, raising money for uh, conservation. Uh, and then the second event uh, Will was at was at the uh, Metropolitan Police uh, Passing Out Parade. And uh, it's essentially, it is the introduction and uh, welcoming of 182 new constables um, grad- graduating from the Met Police Academy. So he met with all of those officers or constables, as they are called in the UK, and their awesome hats. Bobbies. Yes, Bobbies. And he also planted a tree, because, and I put that as a special note because that is what royals should be doing: planting trees, planting trees, smashing booze on ships, and using novelty scissors to cut ribbons on yes. things. That's oh, it. Oh, and also, oh, and, and the and the small plaques. Yes, I was gonna say small plaques and the curtains, <laughs> the like stage curtain unveiling. For sure. If you saw me, I like look like I'm pulling a tiny ceremonial cord. I'm like yes. making that gesture. Yes. <laughs> Yep, that's effectively what it is to be royal, or it is what it should be. So I thought I would be. It would be remiss not to mention uh, what that he planted a tree. <laughs> Good for you, William. You're really helping the earth. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what uh, Will's been up to. Uh, well, I'm gonna do a quick Harry interlude um, before we move on to the ladies. And Harry, he as we as we all know. Harry was here. He was in the United States last week and he was hanging out with his BFF, Michelle. Um, He was speaking at the Obama Foundation Summit and he he did that with great aplomb, I'm sure. But the thing that made me lose my mind was he and Michelle uh, surprised students at Hyde Park Academy, which is a high school in Chicago. Um, on Tuesday, so the day before he spoke. And the Hyde Park Academy is across the street from the future site of the Obama Presidential Center on the south side of Chicago. And the video is amazing because it's a bunch of high school students and they're sitting in like classroom chairs in a circle in the library. Yep. There's maybe like 20 to 30 of them. And they clearly are there. Like their teachers were like, come to the library. And they're kind of waiting and then all of a sudden like the door opens and somebody starts filming and that's when Michelle and Harry kind of walk into the room and people start freaking out and it's like again it's exactly how I would react when that and the my favorite one is there's a girl who as Prince Harry's walking closer to her you can just hear her going damn <laughs> like because she doesn't know how to react <laughs> and she's losing her mind and that's exactly what I would be doing I would be like Oh my God, don't swear at the prince and Michelle. But, and then uh, they were talking to Harry about um, the Chicago foods he needs to try. And he mentioned that he doesn't eat pizza, but he did eat a thin crust, or he ate a deep dish pizza and a thin crust. They got both styles. And I'm kind of like, who did you share this pizza with, Harry? Did Did you and Megan have this pizza? Was she giving you crap being like, Harry, you gotta get some deep dish, and he's like, "No, I can't." You know, I don't eat carbs. And then she gave him he- heck for it, and teased him. 
and was like, you got to get it. It's deep dish. And he goes, well, I don't know if I'll like it. She goes, we'll order a regular thin crust anyway, too. But then he realized that the deep dish was clearly superior because of the excessive amounts of cheese on it. Disagree. But, you know. You don't like Chicago-style pizza? I hate Chicago-style pizza. What? I went to, no. I the only one that I like is a place called Lumel Nati's, and it's because the crust is decent there. But I don't know. I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this. I just, it's eating way too much bread that isn't good bread. Give me cheesy garlic bread with with like marinara sauce any day of the week. But deep dish pizza, it's just kind of pointless. Okay. So yeah, so you have a, okay. So yeah, I can say crust can be a little hit or miss. Sometimes they're just so dry. Yeah, and they just fill you up. You can't get the cheese and the sauce because Mm -hmm. you're so full of bread. That's not even good bread. I can see where you're going. Again. But I still love like Giordano's. Mm. And I, it's just my own personal taste. I think this is probably one of the first times we've, besides black licorice, that we've ever disagreed on like food and what's good and what's not good. We usually have very similar opinions. And I will be clear, if you are going to give me a deep dish pizza, I will eat it. I'm just saying, yeah. what do I prefer? It's usually a thinner crust. Yeah. Not super thin crust, but just more like a regular, a mm-hmm. normal pizza. Right. Yeah, like I don't particularly like yeah, the super thin, but I like I like a good crust or a, a, a regular crust. Well, at least we know that we both love the garlic dipping sauce of Papa John's pizza. I know. And I'm like. And that's what matters most. It's true. And now, but I kind of, I don't want to order Papa John's. One, because the pizza itself isn't great. No. And two, because he's kind of a goof. Yeah. Didn't he recently like say that his sales were bad because of the NFL like players protesting? And yeah. And it's like, no, your sales are bad because your pizza sucks. Sucks. Yeah. And because. You have a deal where literally anytime a local sports team wins, it's 50% off your order if you order. And so we strategically order pizza based around our sports team schedules. Right. <laughs> I don't order Papa John's unless a team won the day before. And then I order it and then I get a bunch of extra dipping sauces and then I hoard them and use them on other pizzas. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. So that when I heard that, I was like, what are you talking about? Right. And so, that also then like white supremacists were like, let's eat Papa John's. And then he's like, oh, yeah. Barf. Yep. But your dipping sauce is amazing. We'll take that and use it on other pizzas. Or, or just drink it at least. <laughs> oh, yeah. That too. Mm, yum. <sighs> I'm disgusting. All right. But uh, so they told Harry he better eat pizza. He assured the, the kids that he had eaten pizza. They also told him told him to get um, an Italian beef. I don't know whether he's I think he said, OK, he'll look into that. I don't know if he did or not. Uh, but it was just really fun to see. And it was Harry in his element interacting with the kids, being the cool one who can mm-hmm. relate to them. And also, I mean, honestly, I I imagine that, like, you don't know who... I think people are probably way more excited to see Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah. At least I could the imagine. Kids. At least the kids yeah. these days. Oh, absolutely. And these kids, if they are from the south side of Chicago, I'm sure that they are constantly being reminded that their former president is, you know, 
Yeah, their former first lady. Is, she's from their neighborhood. Or, yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what she to- spoke to them about. And she was like, listen, like, she gave a really great, you know, inspiring talk to, for, you know, any kid, which is like, you're, I was you, you know, I was in your exact shoes. I lived down the street from you, all this stuff. Like, you have the potential to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. You just need the right tools and the right support and the drive to succeed. So, yeah. And then also here, and maybe also a hot ginger prince friend. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't hurt. Nope. So now that we've covered the princes, shall we move on to prince- the princesses of the future? Indeed. Uh, yeah, so Kate has had a busy uh, week since uh, she's been kind of slowly kind of, yeah, taking back on her schedule that I think she would have kind of had had she not had been recovering from her uh, acute morning sickness. Uh, but yeah, so the first event was that she went, um, she is so, as the patron of the National Tennis Center, uh, she went to a lawn tennis event with uh, kids who are about, I think, 8 to 16. And uh, the event and program for the National Tennis Center is uh, trying to get more kids involved in playing tennis since it's, you know, a good way to get some exercise. Instead of eating uh, garlic sauce from Papa John's. <laughs> to be fair, we did both. I mean, yes. we would we would go remember <laughs> tennis when we yes when we play tennis. So we would be bored, and we would just decide to go to the park near uh, Caitlin's house and play tennis. And Caitlin, though we we played softball, and so she would um, forget what sport she was playing, and every time. You would just try to hit the ball as ha- hard as you could, and it would go over the fence. And I'd be like, "Why did you do that? We now yeah. we have to go get it." But then we would also bring a boombox. Is this what you yes. were thinking of? We'd also <laughs> yes, bring yes, a boombox and, and play the radio, or or I don't know what. And um, it was the greatest air guitar moment of all time. It was Ashley Parker's <laughs> Ashley Parker Angels. God, what's the song called? Oh God, I the guy gonna, from O Town. Yeah, O-Town. Ashley Parker. God, I'm totally, yeah. I, like, remember this because I felt pretty badass. Caitlin triumphantly, they're, like, a built, like, a right up to the bridge of the song. Caitlin, like, ran playing air guitar on her tennis racket and vaulted over the net. Yeah. And, it, and <laughs> yeah. then, like, went into, like, it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. And I'm really mad that we don't have smartphones and so I didn't get it on tape. I know. That would have been such a good Snapchat. It would have been like amazing. You would have gone viral. 2002? Or a Vine. Oh, I know. Yeah. It would have been an um, amazing Vine. God, I'm going to look for the song, but is I would just like, like to point only, out. only, oh no, what is it? But he, his child yeah. is named, um, I need to share this. His, his, his child's name is Lyric Lennon Parker Angel. Why? So, oh, Let know. You Go. Let You oh. Go is the song, right? Okay. I bet so. It's from 2006. Okay. So, Here. yeah. Oh, wow. I would have been like, that's a lot. I'm a lot. I was a lot older than I thought I was when I did that. No, we were, we were bored and like, yeah. Oh, I guess I was driving because I remember my car was there. Here it is. All right. I'm going to turn it off. Thanks, uh-huh. Ashley Parker, Angel. You can cut that okay. out if you want to. But was, just... <laughs> was that the right song, though? Yes, it was. Because I remember okay. it was like the, it was like the dun 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 dun, dun and then you jumped over, and then it went into the chorus, <laughs> and it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. 
So anyway, I mean, I think Kate... Tennis is important. Kate Middleton is getting the kids into... I mean, that's one of the best moments of our lives. So good for her getting kids out there (laughs) and active. Uh, Yes. Uh, But yes, uh, Prince George and Prince Charlotte apparently also have the problem I have that they just want to whack the ball and have no, you know, finesse or uh, technique. They're going for power and not like, yeah, aiming. Yeah. Uh, so so Kate asked some of the coaches for some tips as well. And uh, yeah, she went sporty for her um, day out. Yeah, she didn't change or wear, you know, something that uh, you normally wouldn't wear for an athletic. She was, yeah, in uh, the Blands where she wore a Clarice uh, Play Brave sports zip up. And then um, she had a, she rewore these uh, tuxedo track pants by Montreal, Montreal. Uh, which are $345, which I thought was really expensive for some track pants. But um, usually I can, you know, I can go, yeah, I get why, you know, your dress costs $1,500. But those I was a little, they are cute, but I was a little baffled by that price. Maybe she needs to make sure that they're not, like, you know how Lululemon pants, like, had that see-through problem? Yeah. Like, that's the issue. I bet that's that could be a consideration especially since like when there's camera flashes going off that's when you can tell a lot and so the you need to pay more for the thicker better more supportive fabric it's probably part of it and also i mean she clearly will be able to wear those once a year for the foreseeable future right true true yeah and then she was wearing um some nike air fly net shoes which i have wanted for some time so uh Good choice. Get an excuse to go shopping. Yeah, they're kind of expensive, but maybe. But you could wear them more. I feel like they're a better value than $345 track pants. Just the next day, uh, Kate was out. And actually, she wasn't out. She was actually at home at Kensington Palace uh, because she was holding a roundtable on maternal mental health. And uh, this involved uh, 12 other uh, mental health experts uh, who specialize in um, just kind of uh, post, um, post-pregnancy post issues and whatnot, and uh, just discussing kind of, yeah, challenges and um, what kind of research and work is being done to help uh, mothers when um, before, during, and after their pregnancies. And uh, yeah, as a, Kate, as a mother, as herself, herself has shared her feelings and how um, she's sometimes felt overwhelmed, you know, becoming a parent as most parents do. And uh, this, yeah, once again, kind of is in line with their uh, mental health initiatives as royals. Uh, Kate wore, which I think was an extremely cute kind of sweater jacket from uh, Boutique Moschino. And it had, it was black and white with some bows on it. You couldn't see it that well, but uh, people were able to ID it, and she may have worn it sometime in May when she was driving around London, um, closer to Pippa's wedding. So I thought it was cute, and I hope we can see it again in f- its full glory. Amen. Yeah. And then uh, just this evening, since we are recording on November 7th, uh, Kate was out for the Anna Freud Gala. Um which she is patron of the Anna Freud Center, another mental health um, center for children and uh, support for their parents as well. And uh, for this event, she wore a Royal Recycle. We had discussed maybe she might, we were kind of thinking she might wear Jenny Packham since she has worn um, 
JP for a few other events in her as maternity wear. Uh, but yeah, she did recycle and bring out from her closet uh, Diane von Fussberg. I'm so bad at saying that. Um, Zarita lace dress in black. And yeah, she last wore that one in 2014. Um, when she was pregnant with Princess Charlotte for the Royal Variety performance, which she'll actually be attending later this week. And uh, yeah, Megan also has a version of it. Does she have it in a different color? She has it in navy blue. Okay. And she also has the shorter version. So Kate's okay. is the full length, and then Megan's is the like knee length version. Oh. And so, so could, like twin. Yeah, that was one of the twin. things that when Megan, you know people started really looking into Megan and also started analyzing her style to see kind of like how they could compare it to Kate. That was one of the things they saw, which was they have the same dress. They love lace sleeves, both of them. So, so maybe this is a tacit thing. Like, yeah, that's my sister-in-law. I don't know. That's, that's a stretch, right. I think, but both, they just, we just know that they both have good taste. Right. Uh, but yeah, so if in the coming week, uh, if you are looking to see where Kate's going to be up to uh, before we record our next episode, uh, on November 11th, Kate will be at the Festival of Remembrance, which is a variety show. And she's gone to that for a couple years, um, usually with Harry, or excuse me, William, but uh, I don't think he will be there on that evening. Usually she tends to wear something darker, so she could be in black again. Since it on November twelfth, she will also be out or for Remembrance Sunday, which is absolutely will be wearing black. Yeah, and probably one of her, you know, usual coats as well. Right. And then on November fourteenth, she will be at the Hornsey Road Children's Center in London, uh, which I mentioned because that was the event she was actually going to be doing uh, in September when um, she ended up having to cancel because Baby Three had decided to. Uh, cause some morning sickness so uh she'll be able to make up that event on november 14th that's so good i'm so glad she's got so much on the calendar Mm -hmm. me too i've missed her i know um finally um i just want to remind everyone that there is an anniversary coming up tomorrow uh obviously one thing did happen uh last november 8th and that was a you know, pretty big event for most of us in America. But there was another thing. And that other thing was something that, you know, when I was feeling, you know, a little bit lost and a little bit confused about the direction of the world, I would remember that this had also happened that day. Said, I don't know, maybe that's a sign of something. And that thing was Harry through Kensington Palace, um, did a press release publicly declaring Meghan Markle, his girlfriend, and telling the press to back off and stop being racist, specifically. Yeah. And it was one of the most romantic gestures I've ever seen in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I may have said to my husband, why didn't you do that? And he goes, what? That, there, <laughs> that in no way would make any sense for us because you are not famous. I am not famous. No one is harassing you or your family. And it was like, I know, but he did it in a press release. Look at the letterhead. It's so official. So, yeah, I think tomorrow we should all take a moment to just reread that statement and reflect on it and just feel our our feelings about it. Because, again, it was absolutely amazing when it happened. Yeah. <sighs> Definitely. It, yeah, it feels like a, it's kind of, yeah, essentially a milestone for 
not only them, but for us, because I feel like that's when we all started going, okay, all right. We're off to the races. Yeah, we kind of heard the speculation, but this was really when it kicked off and we knew it. So this will mark, you know, one year as a public couple. So that's a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Not that he had to write that letter, but that it seems like it was just yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But this final piece kind of ties into our overall theme um, for this episode. So one thing that we tried to do is look around and find parallels between, you know, the past and the present and see what we can learn. And we knew that we've, kind of known for a while that there is another American actress who married a prince um, and gave up her acting career and really stepped into that royal role. And that person is Grace Kelly. And so we decided we would um, take this opportunity because Grace Kelly's birthday is November 12th. And so it kind of lines up like that. We would do a little bit of an overview of uh, Grace Kelly's early life and then really talk more in detail about her courtship with Prince Rainier and then talk about how we can draw any parallels to Megan. So I'm going to start just doing a very quick overview of Grace Kelly's life. So mostly I got this information from there's a 1987 documentary called Grace Kelly, the American princess. It's on YouTube. So it's free on YouTube. I should clarify. And I think it's really interesting um it it's fun to see the pictures to go with this because grace kelly is beautiful and Mm -hmm. there's lots of pretty clothes and diamonds so uh if you have you know 50 minutes or so i would recommend sitting down and watching it but that's where i used that's what i used for my primary research um so starting at the beginning she was born november 12th 1929 uh as into a prosperous philadelphia family Um, Her dad, uh, Jack Kelly, he um, was kind of a second generation Scottish immigrant who uh, worked at the family construction and brick making business. And he had a lot of money. Jack was married to Margaret, uh, who a model and uh, swimmer. I don't know if she was a professional swimmer or if that was even a thing, but she was a babe for for back in the day. And they got married, and they had a total of four kids, a girl, then a boy, then Grace, and then a little sister. So she grew up with a pretty, you know, I I don't know. I would say it's a big family now, but back then probably more a normal-sized family yeah. with four kids. Uh, again, they had a ton of money. And so she went to the, the best private schools growing up, and she learned – you know, all of the things that you learn to make you into a lady. I don't know how rigorous the academic curriculum was, but she uh, she got a pretty good education. Um, her dad, I don't know, the tenor of this documentary was like that her dad didn't really ever expect her to be anything. He put a lot of pressure on his kids to be like overachievers and be the best and stuff. But he he thought his oldest daughter was the one who was going to be a quote unquote star. Uh, everyone said that Grace was really quiet and shy when she was younger. But when she was 18 in 1947, she kind of surprised the family and insisted that she was going to move to New York 
and attend the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, and they kind of were, again, bemused by her decision. They, But they decided ultimately that they were going to let her go um, to kind of get it out of her system, thinking, you know, it's uh, it's at least, you know, she'll go there, she'll t- try it, she'll get bored of it, and she'll come home. And at least it's not Hollywood. And so she went to New York, and because she kind of knew that her parents wouldn't keep supporting her living in New York and trying to make a go of acting forever, she started modeling and she was supporting herself by being a model. Cause again, really beautiful person. Um, she first appeared on screen doing commercials and she was kind of cast as the all American girl. Um, she, they, I think they described it in the documentary. Like she was the woman every man wanted to marry. And they show her just like beaming at like a generic <laughs> dude and like being like, Oh my gosh, you got me this car. Wow. I'm so grateful. And yeah, there are a lot of guys out there who probably would buy a car for Grace Kelly. So she, uh, when she graduated from school, she started acting on the stage and she worked in what's called a stock company. And so that's kind of like a, I mean, it's more the, it's not the people who are getting leading roles on Broadway, but it's the people who are kind of the, the cast for a particular company and they'll get cast in a bunch of different plays kind of playing the the working parts a lot of the time i drawing my first parallel to megan i when i heard that i was talking about oh you mean like kind of what they do for the actors and actresses in hallmark channel movies because if you notice those always star the exact same people and they kind of get cast in similar roles, but they're technically different movies. So I, I'm going to say that that's kind of like a parallel. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's again, it's a big pool. Of, it's a pool of people, and they just kind of get mixed up into different parts, mm-hmm. and appear in these kind of lower profile plays. Um, so she got a found an agent. Um, in the early fifties or. I don't know, late 40s, early 50s. I don't have the exact year down. But this agent, um, he had had big success with one of his other finds, who was Marlon Brando. And so when he sent casting directors Grace Kelly's photo, they paid attention. Um, In 1952, she had her first big movie role, um, which was in High Noon, the John Wayne Western. And uh, they talked about how she went to the audition and she was wearing white gloves there because her mother taught her that you always, if for a special occasion, always wear white gloves. And she was described as very ladylike and prim. <laughs> and the casting director decided to, that it would be an interesting contrast to have that kind of person be like stuck in the Wild West, kind of. But mm-hmm. apparently people didn't think... She- the, she was particularly well suited for that. I've seen High Noon. It's been a while, but I don't know. I don't think that it's... She did okay, I think, is, was the consensus. Um, in 1953, she got her first Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress for the movie Mogambo. Um, and she had been really excited to film that movie because it was shot in Africa and she got to travel there. And she apparently had a great time um, seeing the sights. And in... Her what really I mean her career really took off in 1954 and that was the year she started working with Alfred Hitchcock. Um, she was in two movies that he directed: Dial M for Murder and Rear Window. Um, 
I haven't seen Dial in for Murder. I have seen Rear Window, and she's gorgeous in that one, mm-hmm. even though she's not necessarily like the biggest role. But Dial in for Murder, she is quite a big role, though. That year, she also won Best Actress, an Oscar for Best Actress for The Country Girl. And so, and then she had made another big film that year as well. I didn't write down what that was. But 1954, I mean, that was it. She was on fire. Mm-hmm. 1955, and that will bring us up to your your segment, is she filmed this movie, and this is my favorite Grace Kelly movie, um, To Catch a Thief, which, have you seen this? No, I haven't. I've only oh, seen her window. I have it. Well, okay. yeah. I have To Catch a Thief. We can watch it someday together, or I'll just lend it to you. Okay, so awesome. it's a really it's a fun like thriller mystery movie and the plot is basically Cary Grant plays this um, British expat who lives in like the south of France and he is a former uh, cat burglar who was in prison for you know stealing a bunch of stuff when World War II came broke out and then he with his other like criminal friends and associates they um they escaped prison when the prison they were in was bombed and then they became members of the french resistance and helped defeat the nazis so after the war was over they were kind of like pardoned and everyone like kind of thought of them more as heroes and then so he's kind of living and minding his own business and then all of a sudden um jewelry robberies start happening and it fits his old mo exactly and so the police start looking into him and he has to figure out who the real uh, burglar is. And Grace Kelly shows up and she's the daughter of an, a, a, like an, she's an heiress from America and she's in Monaco with her mother, who's hilarious. <laughs> and they join up with a very British um, like insurance agent to try to figure out who's stealing these diamonds. Super good movie. And again, sparkly things and Cary Grant and... Yeah, that's all I have to say. Yeah, so yeah, so this time she's yeah at like the peak of her career for sure, and she's really I mean found her niche I think, which is this like kind of ice queen type uh-huh. character. Um, she's really good at playing somebody who's like she kind of reminds me of a little bit like a Betty Draper type character um, from Mad Men, like someone who's so beautiful. That she knows people don't take her as seriously as they should. And so she's, you know, but like she's also really smart and all that stuff. So I don't know. She's really well suited and people are crazy for her at this time. So then that brings us to the mute cute. Because again, To Catch a Thief is filmed in the South of France and is set partially in Monaco. So she's she's on location. Right. Yeah, and uh, as a result of her Oscar win for uh, being in The Country Girl, uh, yeah, she ends up to be she ends up being in the South of France for the Cannes Cannes uh, Film Festival. Cannes, excuse me. Oh my God, I can't believe I said that wrong. Cannes. No, there's so there's two cities in France. One is Cannes, and one is Cannes. Is it is it Cannes the film it is, festival? Yes, it is Cannes. Okay, because Cannes like- is the place at Normandy where the where D Day happened. Okay. And Cannes is the one um, that's in the south of France. Yeah. I mix them okay. up all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> but yes, the can, cons. Nope, can. can. Just like Shit. a can of pop. Can. It's can. a can of pop. There you go. Can of soda. Yeah, I'm sorry. Festival that we every year see all the celebrities at. 
was yeah. going on. And they were uh, showing her film, The Country Girl. And so, yeah, so she was already on location. And uh, after she would be at the festival, she was going to be filming a movie called The Swan. Oh, and I should uh, note that most of my notes are coming from a book called High Society, uh, which is her uh, biography written by Donald Spoto, who uh, interviewed uh, Grace Kelly extensively for her uh, biography. He hoped to speak with her more, but obviously she had an untimely death. And so he never completely finished his uh, um, interviews with her. But uh, that's where most of my information for today will come from. Uh, but yeah, so since she was going to be starring in The Swan, which is essentially about a uh, girl hoping to marry a prince and to bring her family into, you know, notoriety as they had been shunned by uh, society. <laughs> I'm just uh, imagining um, shunning from the office. Right. <laughs> anyway. Uh a director who was one of her friends suggested that uh, she go to Monaco and meet the real life prince. Uh, yeah, uh, Prince Rainier. And so that's kind of how that meeting was set up. Uh, and she actually almost canceled her meeting because uh, there was apparently a uh, dispute, a labor dispute, and the labor unions were on strike. And apparently that meant that most people woke up without electricity that morning that she was supposed to meet this prince and she didn't want to go and look, you know, uh, you know, haggard and not looking her best because she didn't have a way to do her hair or uh, really make her clothes look right because she couldn't press anything. So she ended up having to, if you look at pictures of her, she has her hair up kind of, yeah, it's pretty much looks kind of like it's wet, but um, she put a bunch of flowers and cabbage roses in her hair and she's wearing like this beautiful dress uh, that she didn't have to end up ironing because of that. So she almost didn't go to this fateful meeting. Hmm. She also didn't meet him because when she got to the palace, she was given a tour of all, you know, the grounds. Cause there's also a zoo apparently at the palace of Monaco. Hmm. I don't know what type of animals they have there, but I'm jealous because I would love a zoo in my backyard. I know it's right next to the, um, like there's a museum, like an Oceanic, oceanographic whatever that is like Jacques Cousteau had a museum right there okay um, have you been to Monaco I have been to Monaco I thought um because I went to the south of France after high school for a vacation and we drove to Monaco and we were there for a few hours so the palace is like in their downtown kind of area and yeah it's right on the coastline um mm -hmm. but yeah I just know that the um the like museum that's there that's the place so you know the um plot line in princess diaries where mia releases snails into the mediterranean yeah <laughs> so that's because um this type of algae from this really happened that this type of algae um called calorpataxifolia escaped from most likely escaped from this museum that jacques cousteau had that's right there in in monaco and it's like a, this South American algae and it didn't have any natural predators. And so it's been slowly choking the Mediterranean or I think they figured out how to deal with it by this time. I haven't heard of it in a while, but it was like destroying all the it was just this huge invasive species problem. But yeah, that's where that that's what she's talking about in the Princess Diaries. And that's why Mia oh. releases all the snails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of that palace. And that's why she yells like it's Monaco's fault. That I released the snails into the bay. 
I know. As I was uh, reading more about the royal family of Monaco, which I is actually way more exciting than I ever thought. I definitely saw some parallels between yeah the research that Meg Cabot did to do the Princess Diaries and uh, actually what's happening in Monaco. Because yeah, she's definitely based a lot of their drama and history, at least Genovia's history on Monaco's royal family. Right, and she also uh, throws in funny like parallels to this where she says that um like prince rainier only grandmare says that prince rainier only married grace kelly because she broke his heart so of course he had to go sniveling into the arms of that american yeah and it's like okay grandmare <laughs> sure uh but yes uh no it was not grandmare and rainier um but yeah he was late to their meeting he was almost about an hour late so they almost didn't meet uh, but then he arrived just as she was about to like go, okay, bye. Uh, and yeah, it was a pretty, it wasn't like they instantly had any chemistry or anything. It was kind of like a photo call. They took some pictures together. She, he kind of gave her like a fake tour since she'd already had the real tour. And uh, after the meeting, obviously the press was like, you just met this beautiful, like gorgeous American actress. Uh, like, what'd you think? Because he, at at that time, there had been a lot of speculation about when he was going to settle down, the prince, because uh, Monaco is an interesting, as a principality, uh, they have kind of a weird setup where essentially if there isn't an heir uh, to the throne, uh, they will go back to French rule. Uh, That's why there's also not a king or a queen of Monaco because of their kind of arrangement with France. And if they went back to French rule, people would be really, really pissed because that would mean that they'd get lots of taxes put upon them. Like people in Monaco don't pay any income tax because they actually make so much money off of like gambling yep. and all that, which is crazy. So they pay like no taxes. So they keep all their money. So a lot of people were very worried that if uh, uh, Rainier did not get and find a wife and produce an heir, he- that they would, they would be the, the ones that would suffer. So there was a lot of speculation about what he thought of Grace Kelly and if he was actually looking for a wife. Uh, and all he said was that she spoke clear English and was very calm, very agreeable. And my feelings went no further than that. So hmm. that was a diplomatic uh, statement. <laughs> uh, but yeah, after they met, they actually started corresponding with via paper and pen through letters. And the reason why it even started was because uh, Prince Rainier's confessor, Father Francis Tucker, as it is a Monaco is a Catholic country. Are they a country? Yeah, they're a country. What am I talking about? (laughs) Yeah, it was a dumb moment. Sorry about that. He told her that he should write her a letter and thank her for visiting. And then she wrote a letter saying like, oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And so they just like started corresponding back and forth with one another for like seven months. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) and uh apparently these were all really like they're what they weren't like lovey-dovey letters they were more just like they shared important things and it seemed like they were very there was friendship but we don't know that for sure since uh he never kept the letters that grace kelly sent him and so far uh like his uh grace princess grace's son who's now the Prince of Monaco, um, Albert, has not shared if he ever found his mother's letters uh, from the prince. So we actually don't really know any of the contents. But apparently they were writing to each other for many months, and that's how they became close friends. Um, But as a result, the prince 
he, yeah, he started to feel strong feelings for uh, Grace Kelly. And he told uh, Father Tucker. And uh, so Father Tucker was a little meddler because he uh, he knew that Grace um, the Kelly family was actually very Catholic. And uh, so he thought he was like, this is the perfect, the, the wife that we need, you know? And so he actually wrote a letter to Grace telling her that the prince uh, was having, was feeling, had really strong feelings and that he'd love for her to come to Europe to meet with uh, the prince again. And she was excited to do that. But it wasn't soon enough for the prince. And so he ended up making a trip by the end of the year, when they started corresponding at the beginning, or probably around, like, I think, March or April of, de- of 1955, by December of 1955, uh, Prince Rainier uh, was on his way to the United States to meet and propose to Grace Kelly. And uh, this was his first trip, and he, people were wondering if he was coming to find a wife, and the media was like, oh, like, are you... Are you looking for a wife? Are you going to see somebody? He's like, oh, no, I'm going to get a physical at John Hopkins. That's what they're calling it these days. Right. No, he was looking to get physical with someone else. Ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so he got there and, yeah, he proposed to her on December 15th. Uh, so by this time, she had started living in New York and uh, he proposed in Central Park with a, um, I don't know if he had the ring upon proposal, but she has a, or was uh, her engagement ring is a 10.47 carat Cartier. Cartier. Oh my God. I can't pronounce anything ever on this show. Mm. Um, emerald cut diamond ring, which she wears in high, high society. Yes, she does. And it yes. is something to see. It's, That's another it's thing. Beautiful. Just look at it. It's, it's yeah. very big and sparkly. Yeah. I'm a fan. And uh, But they officially announced their engagement on January 5th, 1956. So that's so fast. I yeah, mean, I mean, from like, I knew that they, I didn't expect that they would have a particularly long engagement necessarily, mm-hmm. but I didn't think that it would be, you know, she, he, she only learned that he was actually into her romantically and very quickly after that is when they got engaged. Right. Yeah. So it was definitely very, it was, yeah, it was whirlwind for sure. That, Yeah. I'm trying to think, though, like, okay, if I'm really good friends with a guy and I like him enough to, you know, and I guess she probably must have had an idea of her feelings, too, because otherwise she mm-hmm. would have been like, mm, no, this is just friendship or something. Right. But, like, if he showed up and gave me a 10.47 carat Cartier emerald cut diamond ring, I would probably say, okay, sure, let's fit. We'll, if we're incompatible, we'll figure it out later. For now, gimme. Gimme, gimme. Yeah. I want to wear this. <laughs> Yeah, it's like my precious. Yep, right. And uh, the one thing that they like, I was a few of the sources mentioned was that she was also kind of like people were wondering when she was going to get married because she was like twenty five, mm-hmm. and so like at that time, like in you know the fifties, you were kind of considered an old maid. Yeah. <laughs> so Ugh. some people said that she, because she had had some more serious relationships that hadn't worked out and so some bows as yes. the documentary described it <laughs> i love it yeah and so that she was like she was like okay i've dated all these people and i know what i'm looking for and i'm at that age where i really i'm ready to settle down so why not do it with a prince yeah her younger sister was interviewed on the documentary and um talked a lot about how like what happened when she, the younger sister, got married and Grace was still single. 
And she said she got, I can't remember exactly what year this is, but um, I think it was pretty close to when she, she met Prince Rainier. I think Rainier. it was, yeah, it like, was. And um, she said, like, so Grace was her maid of honor. And then, so she got married. And then a year later, she told her sister that she was pregnant. And Grace was like, I really want a kid. Like, I I hope it's not going to be too late for me. And I think they said she was like 25 or 26 when she said yeah. that. And it's kind of like, oh. Um, yeah, but she. You're going to be fine. <laughs> she ended up having three kids and getting getting the guy and stuff. Right. Uh, she she quit acting. We're not going to get mm-hmm. too much into the detail of the, the aftermath because we do want to talk about like her wedding in much more detail. Um, hopefully when we get to speculate more about like what kind of affair uh, will be thrown for Harry and Meghan. But right. Cause as we know that parts of their wedding, um, Grace Kelly and uh, Prince Rainier's wedding did affect the, the nuptials of Will and Kate. So yes, especially the, the beautiful, beautiful dress. So yes. Um, making sleeves, the hot thing. Right. Um, and all that stuff. But for now, let's just focus on the, you know, kind of early part of her life and and then this courtship. And we can draw mm-hmm. some similarities to Megan. So you put down a few notes here. I already mentioned yeah. one. I mean, they're as actresses, they kind of were um, had part of their career where they were part of what I would call a stock company and did a lot of like, you know, not prestigious work, but, you know, they got solid work um, going through things like that. For sure. Obviously, Grace Kelly is on a completely different level of, I think, stardom compared to Megan. I would agree. Um, you know, Megan's obviously known more for her television work, and but and and obviously Grace Kelly was winning, you know, Academy Awards and is kind of that she's like a legend now. And I obviously time will tell what Megan's impact will be. But it's she's definitely obviously Megan's a lot older, so it's more likely that she has kind of made her mark where she's going to make it as far as her acting career, especially if she does marry Harry and give it up. Um, yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, the other thing I had just said was just the fact that it was kind of a chance meeting, and it's been speculated, especially in the when Harry met Megan documentary that we still I still have not found a way to watch. I haven't either, which, which is a bummer. Even though we, as we said in our last episode, that it was getting terrible reviews, is that even though Harry was, may have been, you know, thinking about Meghan as a potential suitor for him for quite some time, they just kind of, they met through friends, kind of introduced to them. Right. And so in this case, the priest is analogous to, yes. <laughs> to the friends. Right. And yeah. And then it's also that they, they both had to, They've dealt with it in different ways, but also the fact that they're, it's a long-distance relationship for both of them. Yeah. Uh, air travel was obviously – and even telephones were just not as widely available and used uh, for correspondence. And so, obviously, uh, Megan and Harry are able to see each other quite often, but they still have to deal with the fact that they both live in different cities and um, – Different time zones. Right. And kind of work through that. And, yeah – have a relationship where you feel like you know the person and you still feel like you get to spend time with them and stay connected. Yeah. And through all that, uh, 
one of the things that Grace Kelly said when she was writing um, letters is that she felt like that they quickly found out that they both had common goals and desires. And I feel like that's similar for um, any couple, but especially it's really obvious with uh, Harry and Meghan that they have a lot of common goals and desires, uh, especially for the type of you know work and impact that they want to have on the world, that they want to use their their image and their celebrity status to make the world a better place. They have, yeah, good, the same values, which is always a good place to be. You want to make sure that yes. your life partner is somebody who you don't fundamentally disagree with on right. morals, <laughs> ethics, etc. Yeah, well, and then um, the other uh, things you note here are what we kind of already mentioned, that Grace uh, had already had several serious relationships, or bows, as we said. So she was engaged to Oleg Cassini at one point. Um, he's a famous wedding dress designer, and I only know his name because I do crossword puzzles. Right? And did the, he did he design Jackie O. Jackie Kennedy's? I can't remember. Dress? I, I, I think he did. So. Yeah, yeah, he was look. he was like the guy. Um, yes, yeah, design. he did. He da- yeah, he designed um, Jackie Kennedy Jackie O's um, wedding dress to JFK. Yeah, so. Um, she was with him and then broke it off. So again, Megan, she's been married before, uh, got divorced in 2010. And so, you know, Grace wasn't married, but, you know, she did have a serious relationship with another man before she found her one true love. Um, the other kind of similar uh, similarity is that Prince Rainier was seen as a playboy prince who was not keen on settling down. And we all know that that's kind of the uh, that's kind of what the aura Harry's been giving off for a while until until really that this Megan news went public. He had kind of been mm-hmm. known as the Playboy Prince and was you know, cavorting naked in Vegas. And right, um, yeah, Harry's definitely smoking wilder weed. Yeah, <laughs> than uh, Prince. Then. Well, <laughs> I will say, though, I but. think part of it might be that there are not camera phones. Right, exactly. You know, <laughs> Prince Rainier, I, if you're telling me Prince Rainier never got naked with beautiful women in in a casino. Um, oh, true. <laughs> true, true. Like, I don't know. I'm guessing he could, if, if that's something he wanted to do, he definitely could have done that. Definitely. Um, and there wouldn't have been photos or the, it wouldn't have been as big a risk, like... Because then, right. you know, you couldn't <laughs> get a camera the same way you can now. So Right. <laughs> um, but yeah. Also, he, the papers might not publish it. <laughs> right. Um, but in the documentary, they showed, and I, this might be the same uh, thing wh- where that you were mentioning where they're interviewing him and talking to him about how he met Grace Kelly. And then the reporters are really kind of giving him a hard time about, like, are you looking to settle down? And he laughs it off and stuff. And they, he's like, no, no, not by any means am I looking to settle down. And then they say, well, what kind of woman are you looking when you, you are going to want to get married? What kind of woman do you want to get married to? And his answer is the best. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. I mean, that's a pretty good comeback. But that made me think of the, um, the scene in the Royal We where Nick gets caught off guard by... Um, a reporter and they say hey are you looking to settle down and he goes like ask me in 10 years and he has a serious girlfriend when he says that and right. so it's kind of like uh oh um, so I'm thinking you know I'm 
in researching these real life, you know, royal stories and romances, you do see parallels with, you know, the real world as it's happening today. But you also, I also am seeing where a lot of my favorite uh, books on royals get their inspiration. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I definitely in the future would love to do some, I hope we can do some more uh, episodes on Monaco because I definitely am more intrigued. Well, there are, there are, uh, there's backstabbing. There is. And one of the things that we, we mentioned we wanted to talk about was Grace Kelly's hot as hell grandson. Yeah. Pierre and Andrea, who, Kazaragi, <laughs> Kazar- yeah, I think that's how you say their last name. But they were, back in the day when I'd get, like, teen people and Teen Vogue magazine or whatever, they would always have them in there because they were hot princes. And, like, William and Harry were, the like, to me it was like, oh, I don't, I don't need to be in love with Prince William. Like, that's the what normal like regular girls are. I'm going to go for the guy in Monaco because that's way less pressure. And, <laughs> you know, and they speak French. So that's cool. Right. And, and they're less known. So it'd be easier to there's less competition. Yeah. But uh, both of them are currently married and to like gorgeous blue bloods. Yeah. Um, look at their wedding photo. Uh, their wedding photos are like online and they're yeah, I'm looking at them. Right they're now. insane. But yeah, both of those guys. Hotties. Yes, they are. That was a good PSA. Yeah, that's my... Because until you mentioned I was like, oh, yeah, they are really hot. And I hadn't quite thought about it. Yeah, and their sister is Charlotte. Yes. Kazuragi. And she's she kind of pops up here and there. Um, Like, she's kind of like at... I don't know. She's kind of like a fashion it girl type thing. She doesn't... Mm-hmm. I don't know. She wears weird, weird outfits sometimes. I know that. As one should, if you are kind of a socialite. Uh, yeah, don't bore me. Like that. But yeah, she's, I don't know. She, But yeah, she's always at like Cannes or I don't know. Doesn't Monaco have like a circus festival or something that lasts a month? I, yeah, I think so. What a weird place. Yeah, I follow like the Monaco's like Visitors Bureau on Facebook for some reason. So. <laughs> and it's never in English, so I never know what it's saying. It's always in French. It's probably like, <laughs> come see us. We are Monaco. We are right. much better and, than France. But I always see, like, I see their their blue waters, their palm trees. And then, yeah, when it's, like, their carnival. I think it's, like, carnival or something. Probably. Um, I'm always like, oh, that looks fun. So, yeah. So, we uh, hope you enjoyed uh, kind of that, this one kind of glimpse into one uh, aspect of uh, Grace Kelly's life. And uh, an inspiration to all of us American girls who one day dream, despite the fact that they are happily married yeah, it, yeah. Too you mean us princesses. American girls? Yeah, despite the yes. fact that we are married and technically <laughs> off the market. Yeah. You know, that we too could win the hearts of, I don't know, some dude who would give us a tiara closet. It's not so much to ask. Or, you know, publish a romantic gesture letter using really fancy letterhead and telling the press to lay off. Right. <sighs> All right. That's it. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go be like, will you write this letter? And he's going to be like, what? No. (laughs) I'm weird. Okay. All right. Well, uh, if you you have any thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, other feedback, you just want to tell us some interesting fact about, I don't know, Grace Kelly or Monaco or Tierras, you can 
reach us in several ways. Uh, we are on Gmail at americroundreams at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at americroundreams. And we are on Twitter at americroundream. Woot. Yeah, so we will be back uh, next week with, I think, is that the is that the week that we are going to talk about? Let's see. I think we're talking about family. Oh, yeah. So we have a fun topic next week, um, which is in honor of the American holiday Thanksgiving, which is a time when a lot of us get together with our relatives. um, And they might be relatives who we don't see a lot. And they might be weird people who we just kind of have to put up with because we're related to them. We're going to look into some of the members of the British royal family (laughs) who might fit into that category. So I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. We've been talking about this one for a while and we were like, oh, Thanksgiving would be the perfect like time to publish this. Yeah. Let's talk about your kind of possibly uh, or at least your, your difficult to deal with great uh, aunt Princess Michael of Kent, for example. Right. <laughs> so tune in next week and we will um, give you a rundown of some of the uh, more peripheral characters in the royal family but that we think are um, the ones who no one wants to sit next to at holiday meals (laughs) I can't wait yay (laughs) so thanks everyone for listening bye bye bye